<clears throat> so a couple of things. Uh, I want to go back to uh, the first uh, video testimony that we did this morning. Uh, some of you missed it. If maybe if we showed it next week and you were here an hour early, uh, you would see it. But um, John Chandler, uh, a, a video of his experience working in the garden, uh, which is now called Riverstone Kids, and uh, maybe we'll, maybe we'll uh, put that online and you can. If you didn't get to see it, you, you need to see that. But I want to say that uh, I've never been more excited about what's going on with our kids than than right now. And, uh, yeah. and uh, I think Becky will be out in the hall today after the service. If you have questions, if you want to talk to her about how you can serve, how you can help, uh, what they need uh, from us, uh, find her, talk to her. Uh, it's important. It really is. Uh, our kids, we, they need us. They need our help. And uh, it's a, a great great investment, great place to invest. Um, second thing, uh, Harrison, we was in the video, Harrison DeJarnett, Harrison and Taylor. I don't know if they're out in the hall or in here. Are y'all? Harrison, where? Out, oh, Harrison, could you get any further away? <laughs> Stand up and wave, everybody, let everybody see. Harrison DeJarnett. <laughs> he lives really far away, so he wanted to sit really far away. Uh, so he would feel at home. Uh, but they're doing a great work uh, in northern India. Uh, we support them, pray for them. And they have tables out here. And, and hey, it's never too early to get a jump on Christmas shopping, right? And so uh, check them out on your way out today. Uh, we've been talking about spiritual warfare. We're going to finish up our, our series today. And uh, I want to invite Gay Henry to come and join me up here. I, I have known, I have known Waits and Gay Henry for over 30 years. Um, met them when I was five. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and uh, she was sharing with me this week um, just a, a powerful testimony of how the Lord had worked in her life. It's, uh, specifically in this arena of spiritual yes. warfare. And so I asked her to come and share with you this morning. So let me pray for her, and then she's going to uh, share with you. Jesus, thank you for Gay and for Waits, and just thank you for their family. I pray blessing on them, and I, I pray that you would uh, bless her today. I pray she would feel your hand upon her as, as she speaks, and that you would actually speak your words through her. In Jesus' name. My name is Gay Henry. We all have circumstances and decisions we have made or were made for us that we didn't like or agree with. Some of them have brought shame, guilt, or pain. I too have some experiences that I would like to share with you today. This is my story, my life. And I pray that you can see how Jesus kept me, allowing me to be my own person. I trust it will bless and encourage you today. When I was born, my mother rejected me because I was the third girl. 
I was scared of my mother because she was such a strict disciplinarian. She didn't know how to give me love. Because of my abandonment most of my life, I had to learn rules and follow those rules. This need to be accepted made me ripe to be attracted to a ministry which ended up in a cult. I was so hungry for love that I kept going for there for seven years every four to six weeks. Only it was the wrong kind of love. It became very controlling and emotionally abusive. I was raped spiritually in that relationship. My husband and I didn't have the relationship that we needed because I looked to this couple as my spiritual head. I idolized them as my God. They were perfect and could do no wrong. Because of I was abandoned by my mother, I would do anything not to be abandoned by my spiritual mother. So even when I began to understand that I had fallen under a spell and wanted to break away, the fear of the pain of rejection was so great and so ingrained in my thought life and in my heart that I didn't know how to break from that captivity. But my husband loved me enough to rescue me from that cult. Looking back, I think the saddest part is that I had become so familiar with the comfort of rejection and all the pain that goes with it. I had convinced myself that this was normal, that this was God's will for me. I truly needed Jesus. God sent my husband, imperfect as he was, who was still my savior in my eyes, until I could see that Jesus Christ is truly the savior of my soul, and my husband is a God's gift, perfect gift for me. Started, I started seeing a psychiatrist who helped me a lot. He put me on medication, which helped my chemical imbalance. For months afterwards, I, had, I lied to myself of who my husband and I both should be. It was a time I had to learn to submit myself to truly love my husband for who he was, and that included letting him come off the pedestal I had put him on. I had wanted an ideal marriage. I had birthed an idea in my head of what that marriage would look like. And when my husband would not and could not live up to the fantasy that I had created, I chose to serve him divorce papers. And I chose to find love in all the wrong places. Satan identifies a desire inside you. Temptations always starts in your mind. James 4.1 says, there is a large army of evil desires within you. Satan is incapable of telling the truth. He offers his lies to replace what God has already said in his word. In John 8.44, Jesus said, the devil was a 
murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I was in total deception by listening to the devil and believing that it was God who wanted me to become a prostitute for God. I finally acted on the thought I had been toying with in my mind. James 1, 14 through 16 says, we attempted when we are drawn away and trapped by our own evil desires. Then our evil desires conceive and give birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my dear friends. I was in disobedience to the word of God. I was gone from my husband for three months. God told me he would protect me, which he did. I felt so alone and so rejected. All I could think about was myself. I was full of anger, bitterness, and resentment. I had a nervous breakdown. When my husband wanted me to come home, I was ready. I wanted to see our marriage resurrected. Again, God met me at the greatest need. We don't have to be religious for God to meet us where we are. For months, we struggled to, le to really learn each other, laying down my fantasy image of who I thought my husband should be and learning to appreciate and Sava, who he really was, gave me back my hero. We can now be real and look beyond each other's thoughts and wrinkles and could love each other just the way God made us. Two whole persons becoming one flesh. Months later, our marriage became a miracle. Healing in my heart had come. He treats me like a queen and I treat him like a king. I found an inner healing ministry and began my path of removing all the roots in my thinking. Through the process of counseling and prayer ministry, I now have been a disciple of Jesus Christ. After I went through these hard times, I ran to God's mercy seat for hope. 1 Peter 1, 3, 4, and 5 says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. This gave me hope. I cried out to God for his mercy. Psalm 28, 2 says, Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands toward you, most holy place. God heard my cry for help. Psalm 28, 6 says, Praise be to the Lord, for he 
has heard my cry for mercy. It was through mercy and grace that I have been restored. God took me out of the miry clay and set my feet on solid rock. I'm here to testify that I am a, I am a product of prayer warriors praying for me. My relationship with my mother and my family have all been restored. And my husband and I have a fabulous marriage of 54 years. <laughs> the Apostle Paul modeled vulnerability in all of his letters. He openly shared his failures, feelings, frustrations, and fears. This is what I have done today to share with you. 2 Corinthians 12.5 says, I am going to boast only about how weak I am and how great God is to use such weaknesses for his glory. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Gay and Waits. Thank you. Uh, amazing. All right. Let's pray. Jesus. Thank you for this testimony. Thank you for what you've done uh, in Gay's life and what you've done in, in their marriage and their family. Uh, you're so good. You're so good to us. Uh, we give you thanks, Lord, today for a, a testimony that speaks life. And I know that there are people in this room today who needed to hear that word. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, would you plant in the hearts of, of men and women uh, all across this room. Uh, your seed that will bear your fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we've been talking about spiritual warfare, and we, we covered the first week, uh, the battleground of the mind. And then last week, Mason talked about the battleground of the church. And today, we're going to look at uh, the arena uh, of the heavens. Uh, we want to start with Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, if you want to turn there, you can, or you can just read with me on the screen, beginning at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on 
the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all, for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Lord, again, we pray that you would speak, uh, that your word would be heard, uh, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Years ago, my brother Bill was a youth pastor at a church in Macon, Georgia, and uh, the pastor was preaching on a Sunday morning on this topic of spiritual warfare. And he, he was preaching from Ephesians 6. And, and he read uh, the, the scripture that, that morning. And, you know, sometimes you just get tongue-tied and, and your words just don't come out right. And so instead of saying fiery darts of the enemy... He said that God would extinguish the diary farts of the enemy. I, I, think, I think he does that too. I, I think he does both. So, so the keys, uh, the keys to warfare are not complicated. They're important, but they're not complicated. In particular, there, there are two things that are incredible gifts to us that are incredible weapons in warfare. And they are gifts to us in creation that are really unique to us as human beings. If you look at all of creation, two things that we have that, that really no, nothing else in creation has. We have the ability to think to decide and to choose. And we have the ability to then speak. And we, we have the ability, when we put those things together, we have the ability to decide what we speak. It's a pretty big deal. Uh, how we use our mind and our tongue will determine or be determined by who has our heart. Let me say that again. How we use our mind and our tongue will determine or be determined by who has our heart. And so today, we're going we're gonna to hit this last arena of warfare, uh, the heavenly places. And this is the place uh, where angels and demons wage war for our cities. And only a Christ-centered church can displace the darkness that is over our cities. Uh, the church has come to stand for and represent something much different than was originally intended. Uh, God had in mind a holy, undivided church. 
one that was powerful and one that was intent upon establishing his kingdom on earth. And, and what we see today in much of the church, much of church world, is not what he intended, nor is it what he will return for. In fact, our call as the body of Christ is to partner with him in returning the church to her intended purpose. Today, we have a church that meets the needs of the people. Originally, and in the future, we will have a church that serves at the pleasure of the king. Now, some of you, if you're honest, don't really have a grid for the idea that there are angels and demons over your heads waging war for our city. I mean, some of you would think, you know, Tom, okay, isn't that just like metaphor? Isn't that just symbolism? I mean, is that real? I mean, do we really have to go there? Yeah, we do. <laughs> we have to go there because it's true. There are angels and demons who are waging war for our cities. I'll tell you a quick story just to kind of personalize it. So I woke up one day and uh, walked out to the mailbox and across my driveway there were five eggs I don't know if you've ever found eggs across your driveway. <laughs> I never had. Uh, it was a new thing. But I walk out, and, and, and they're lined up perfectly across my driveway. Eggs. I, I don't know what kind of eggs they were. Uh, some kind of bird, I am assuming. They look like chicken eggs. That's what they look like. It wasn't like somebody dropped their groceries, right? I mean, they didn't accidentally get there. Why are they there? Why do I have eggs in my driveway? They're not broken. It's not like some kids were, you know, wandering the neighborhood and throwing eggs and they dropped some in my, neighbor, in my driveway. It, they were intentionally placed across my driveway. And so I did what I always do when I have something like that that just is mind-boggling. <laughs> You're laughing. Why, why? You know what I did, right? I Googled it. <laughs> I Googled it. And I got nothing. <laughs> and so I then did what I do when Google doesn't work. I called Mason. And I said, Mason, I have eggs across my driveway. And he went, oh, boy. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, okay, I'm going to do a little more digging, and then I'll, I'll get back to you. And then he calls me back. And he says, well, here it is. And he shows it to me. This is a common curse that witches' covens use to curse a home. And he said, Tom, he said Dad, there's, there's a witch's coven in your neighborhood. 
And he said, I, he looked it up. He showed it to me. Okay. My driveway collapsed. My sewer was just, sewer line was destroyed. And we had raw sewage backing up into our house. Coincidence? Maybe not. No. Listen to me. There is a war being waged right now for our city. In the heavens. Frangipane says in, in his book, all spiritual warfare is waged over one essential question. Who will control reality on earth? Heaven or hell? That's it. So basically it comes down to who, do, who will we agree with? When we intentionally and even aggressively agree with God, he increases his manifest presence on earth and displaces the darkness. The increase of his presence is not a pipe dream. L listen to me. I have been talking about this for 17 years. Every time we had the taste of Riverstone, every time we have a newcomer's lunch, if you've been there, you've heard me say, the thing that we're after the thing that we want to see is we want to see the presence of God so fill this region that it changes the atmosphere. It changes the way people live. It changes the way things feel. I have walked into a room in a church before. I walked into a sanctuary of a church in Florida that felt so different that I turned around and walked back out took a deep breath and walked back in just to see if it would hit me again. And the presence of God was so strong in that place that it was unmistakable. It would cause you to tremble. It would cause your knees to buckle because God was there. Now we know about the omnipresence of God. We know that he's everywhere, but we also know that he chooses at times in places to pull the curtain back and allow his presence to be experienced in a way that's not normal but should be and my question has been if God can do that in a room why can't he do it in a city and if he can do it in a city, why can't he do it in a region? If he can do it in a region, why can't he do it in a state? And if he can do it in a state, why can't he do it in a nation? And isn't it his desire that he would do it throughout the entire globe? So, we've talked for a couple of weeks about strongholds and, and what are strongholds. And strongholds are just lies of the devil believed by the church. Lies of the devil believed by the church. Uh, to successfully com combat these lies, we have to know the word of God. Listen, this is, 
2 Corinthians 10, very familiar, verses 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. The truth, the truth brings sin out of the darkness. The truth brings sin out of the darkness and into the light. Confession and repentance may be your best weapons. When it comes to spiritual warfare, confession and repentance are probably your best weapons. Now, some would say that our best weapon is prayer, but let me just say that you really can't pray effectively without confession and repentance. There is in the heavens an antichrist spirit. Don't don't get spooked by that. Let me, let me say this. Y'all know what Wednesday is, right? Wednesday's Halloween. And I want to say two things about Halloween. Uh, number one, it's, my, it's one of my favorite days of the year. You know why? Because everybody in my neighborhood comes to my house. Is the, is the easiest day of prayer and evangelism of the year. <laughs> because everybody in my neighborhood comes to my house. And they come wanting something from me. And I'll be ready. <laughs> but I want to say also, if you think that it's just a harmless little night, you are so mistaken. <laughs> Do not be naive. Do not be intimidated and do not be afraid, but do not be naive. It is a day that the devil has strategically placed on the calendar to steal from us. And he'll be ready as, as well, which is all the more reason that we need to be ready. There is in the heavens an antichrist spirit. So what does that mean? Tom isn't the antichrist, that dude that comes towards the end and, and tricks a lot of people and then Jesus comes back and makes it okay. Yeah, there is such a person, there is an, an antichrist, but also uh, Paul says there are many antichrist spirits. Now this is, Kind of like the stronghold thing. Y'all remember I asked you what is a stronghold? And we learned that a stronghold is actually a stronghold, right? <laughs> a stronghold is a place where the enemy has a stronghold. So what is an antichrist spirit? An antichrist spirit is a spirit that is anti-Christ. It's not rocket science. It's real easy to understand. An antichrist spirit is a spirit that is opposed to everything that Christ is for. Jealousy, fear, unforgiveness, pride, lust, and division are all promoted by an antichrist spirit because they are the opposite of the heart of Christ. 
The Antichrist spirit is anti-love, it's anti-reconciliation, it's anti-forgiveness. And this is, hear me, this is the predominant spirit that splits the church. If you're jealous, if you're jealous of, critical of, or angry at other churches, or this one, it could be your flesh, or it could be an antichrist spirit. Do you want to know the difference? Here's what you can do. And I think if you do this, you'll know pretty quickly which one it is. Ask God to fill your heart with love for his bride. Ask God to fill your heart with love for his bride and audibly rebuke. Audibly. It's important. He can't read your mind. Audibly rebuke the Antichrist spirit. And see if anything changes. See what happens. So for the rest of today, I want to talk about five things. I want to, I want to talk about five things that the enemy hates. Okay, these are five things that the enemy hates. And so he's anti Jesus, so we should be anti him. He's against everything that Jesus is for, so we should be for everything that he's against, okay? So these are five things that he hates that we need to just love. Number one, repentance. He hates repentance. He simply does not want you or me to repent because he knows that when we do, we will get right with God and we will get right with each other. And he does not want that. Number two, he hates humility. He hates humility. The enemy will use pride to keep us from repentance. He will push you into the place where you are justifying your sin, you are rationalizing your sin, you are making excuses for your sin, you're blaming your sin on other people. He'll do anything to keep you from being humble and from repenting. He will convince you that you must run to the front of the line and fill you with this unholy ambition that you may even call Conviction. Do you know why the enemy wants you at the front of the line? Because Jesus is at the back of the line. Jesus is at the back of the line. Because he is the most humble, unselfish, 
unassuming person ever to walk on the face of the earth. The third thing that he hates is prayer. He hates prayer. More than prayer, he hates prayers. He hates intercessors. Oh my, he hates intercessors. And let me just say that all of us are called to pray. Every believer is called to pray. We are all intercessors to a degree. But some of you have intercessor written across your forehead. And you know, this is what I was born to do. I was born to pray. I was born to intercede. Let me say that your primary call, if you're called to be an intercessor, your primary call is this, to pray, to pray that God would loosen the grip of the enemy from his bride. Loosen the grip of the enemy from the bride because he has no business with her. All of his intentions toward the bride are illegitimate. All of his intentions towards the bride are evil. And as an intercessor, your first call is, God, get the devil's hands off the church, off the bride. Prayer. Intercessors. He hates them. Fourth thing he hates. He hates prophets. He hates prophets. And, and you know, he, he, for a time, he, he convinced the church that she should hate prophets too. And we did. Why does he hate prophets? Because throughout history, the prophet has been the one who has called attention to the enemy's schemes. Because the spoken word of God is the enemy of the enemy. The spoken word of God is the enemy of the enemy. And that's, that's really what a prophet does. A true prophet just speaks forth boldly the word of God. And the enemy hates it. He hates prophets. And then number five, which actually is number one, he hates God. He hates God. Uh, the devil hates everything about God. He hates the way he loves. He hates the way he forgives. He hates the way he heals. He hates the way he promotes the humble. Put simply, spiritual warfare is an ancient battle initiated by the enemy to war against repentance. That's really, it's really about as simple as that. It is an ancient battle battle initiated by the enemy to war against repentance because as long as we stay proud as long as we stay unrepentant as long as we make excuses instead of confessions we will be powerless and he knows it our only hope in this battle is Jesus himself and it's not just him fighting for us. He has won the war. I'm not talking about the war. The war's already been won. I'm talking about the skirmishes. I'm talking about the battles. 
that have continued after the war has been decided that still wreak havoc in people's lives. And it's not just praying that he will fight for us because his desire, his design, his strategy is not just to fight for you. It's to fight in you. He wants to fight this war through you. He doesn't want you to go hide in the closet while he goes off and fights for your city. He has said, let me come in you and fight this battle in you and through you. I want you to partner with me in this battle. Why? Because I love you. I want you to share in the spoils of victory. And so I've asked you, I've invited you to partner. Not through hard work and effort. Through surrender. And absolute and utter dependence. I have a new driveway. It's awesome. Sewage is not coming in my house anymore, which is even better than having a new driveway. (laughs) If you think you can walk through this life with the name of Jesus on you and never be targeted by as my pastor used to say slew foot you're just naive he's real he's real And he has some power. But his destiny has been determined. He's done. He is defeated. But God has allowed him to remain on the earth for a time. Why? Because God is using him in the process of purification for the bride. If life was easy, we'd all be just a mess. We would. If life was easy, we'd be so soft and so spoiled, we wouldn't be worth anything. And God is using, the enemy thinks he's doing something. God is using him to shape us. And the purpose of God in spiritual warfare is to make you and make me like Jesus. And it happens through surrender. 
It happens through submission. It happens through absolute, utter dependence and allowing him then to live in us and through us. There are things that God wants to do through you. There are things that he longs to do through you. First, there are things he wants to do in you. Because only a surrendered heart, only a surrendered heart can partner in the way that he has called us to partner. All right, let's pray. thank you I thank you for a church that believes in prayer I thank you for a church that is not blind to the supernatural world but I do pray Lord that you would shape us and make us even more aware of what's at stake in these days and that it's not just about us that there are people out there dying every day that your desire is that we would partner with you to usher in the presence of God in this region like we've never seen before in a way that would change life as we know it and actually usher in your return. You were humiliated when you came. That was your intention. That was the plan. It will never happen again. It will never happen again. And so ready us, prepare us as the bride, the kind of bride that you will return for. Fill our hearts, God, with a love for you that is unsurpassed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to ask our teams to come, and, and I want us to, to have some time uh, to pray today. Um, whatever uh, God has stirred in you or, or quickened in you today that you want prayer for, I encourage you to come and have one of these teams pray for you. I specifically would encourage you, you know, come today if you just want to renew uh, your surrender to the Lord. We have a tendency sometimes, you know, we just kind of slip back up on the throne and uh, we tell God, okay, I, I got it. You know, thank you for the forgiveness and thank you for the healing. I, I'll take it from here. And it doesn't work. 
But if you need today to, to just renew, God, I, I surrender. I, I, I'll tell you a quick, quick personal testimony today. So I came in this morning, and I mean, you know my routine. I take my shoes off. We worship. I come up here, and uh, God told me not to take off my shoes. I said, okay. People are going to ask questions. <laughs> They're going to want to know. Uh, he said, don't worry about it. I said, okay. So we start praying. We start worshiping. And in the midst of worship, uh, something just, the Lord just came over me. And, and uh, I just laid down on the floor and I said, I surrender. All over again, I surrender. Everything I am, everything I have, I surrender. Lord, I give up. And he said, take off your shoes. Some of you need to take shoes off today. Holy Spirit, move here. We can't do this. We want to do it. We do. We want to do it. We can't. So come and, and do it. In us and through us. In Jesus' name.